Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Okay, we're all in take five. Hook them up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. on it's uh, hour three of our five hour conversation morning by morning 25 hours a week that's right five hours a day five days a week and uh rye guy from new mexico with a nice text to us on our text line says good morning guys what's up uh rye guy from new mexico here want to say i love the show it's my new favorite morning show keep up the great work thank you very much I appreciate that. Appreciate the kind words. That Thank is very you. nice. We appreciate you finding yeah. us on the Horn app. You can also find us on 101.9 on AM 1260. Uh, and on at hornfm.com, we're still down with our cameras, so no Twitch and no no uh, 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 YouTube channel right now. We're trying to get that rectified. We'll uh, it's a shame, too, because when we were here in the home studio in South Austin, you could see, you know, we did so many shows when it was dreary outside, Rod. Now we got the sun out. Oh, we got, uh, man, you can see the fog. Golf colors out there yeah, bullish on the weather weather's phenomenal today right around 50 degrees it's going to be uh, uh 70 72 today so uh, we'll take that for sure here headed into uh middle november also sounds like uh, bs on the highways and byways today so be careful out there don miller with your traffics if you are headed to the airport as don has said uh make a plan that's a that's a nightmare right you're trying to get to a flight and you're you're on time and all of a sudden there's a sounds like a fatality crash right out there by the airport which is shut down the road and yeah. No one can get in or out, so it's just a gridlock at the airport, so be advised of that. That ain't good. On our bullish or BS about the guy taunting the bison, this says pretty sure that dude was white. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was, he was uh, a well, white guy. Yeah. Well, we know right. white people like to – our Caucasian brothers and sisters, they love the um, – I call them uh, organized, uh, life-risking recreational activities. Sure. Yeah, basically organized recreational activities uh, that they end up risking their life uh, on. And I don't, yeah, no and that's just like even guys who aren't drunk. I mean, that skydive and bungee oh, jump and exactly. Uh, that's you know, like I said, that's mostly people get bored and they you know I'm going to risk my life because I'm pretty bored. Which you know what? Good. For, that's awesome. <laughs> risk my life. No, or that's you, how you're looking for the adrenaline rush. Of well, exactly. Challenging yourself. Like I said, your your life. Think about how good your life must be. Yeah, you get a little bit bored. You're like, you know what? I'm so bored. I'm gonna go risk my life and jump off a mountain, or I wanna go skydive. It's great. That's how that's how your quality of life is really good. That you have to go risk it because you're a little bit bored with you know your everyday life, a little mundane for you. That's good. Nothing wrong with that. Right. But don't 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 go ton of bison though. That's probably not the 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 way to get your ton thrill. of bison. Yeah, don't be taunting bison. Hey, when um. Before we get to the headlines, then we're going to talk to Mike Craven, the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, about all these coaching changes. The one is already in the books with Jimbo Fisher bought out. Uh, what's next and who's coming? We'll get to it. Uh, the, the, the process is underway. The dominoes are falling, and Mike is behind the scenes on that. Uh, I want to read you this. is because uh, the, the, We have the audio of the offensive lineman for Iowa State with his trash talk. 
Oh, no. But it's in it's in mono, if that makes any sense. So ah. if you're on AM or listening on the horn, the 101.9, you can't hear it. So we'll just read what he said, and it's it, 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 probably clearer because uh, it's it's just a it, so it's a local TV reporter talking to Jared Huff Hufford uh, after you know they had media availability just like they do here at Texas. Jared Hufford mm-hmm. and uh, was asked about playing Texas one final time. He said it's definitely going to be one heck of a farewell present. They're going to come in here on senior night in the dark. I don't think they really know what's going to be coming for them. I think they're going to have to come out and figure it out. Okay, so calling Texas out, predicting a win. I just think the Cyclone community in Ames, when it comes to night games, especially against Texas, we beat them four of the last five times they've been here, so they don't have a good record. Uh, We have a distaste in our mouth for them. We definitely want to send them off to the SEC with a loss on our end. He was then questioned, hey, do you want to elaborate a little further on that? And he said, sure. Ever since I got here, uh, it was Iowa and Texas. That was kind of the thing. Horns down all the time and whatnot. But it's just the programs, like uh, much like Oklahoma, they get all the big five-star recruits. They have all the nicest stuff in the world. They think they're blank, don't stink. To put it in layman's terms, they're just human beings. That's how I see them. They're just people that have such a high ego that needs to be checked, Rodby. <laughs> he didn't say Rodby. Uh, needs to be checked. I, I applaud, I'm happy about this. And every Longhorn fan should be. Uh, this young man has provided a Longhorn team that was, we said it yesterday, trending toward a loss, right? Playing some bad stretches of football toward the end of the games in the fourth quarter. And they've been able to survive it with some clutch plays in critical moments. Um, but this team may have needed a little bit of motivation. They may have needed a little boost. And this is exactly the oh. boost that you need when you got easy bulletin board material like this. And he's, he's doubling down on the trash talk. How about this, Rod? Because in the clip, because we, we did the uh, the YouTube live stream last night uh, uh, on on Inside Texas, you and I and Bobby Burton, so we played this and got everybody who was fired up. But the the comment that's gone viral doesn't include this because the TV guy followed up with this. Oh no! What do you do you think of the Texas defensive line? No, no, he didn't. Yeah, no. and he said, with respect, I don't necessarily think it's the best unit team wise that we've been up against. Wow. Did he, did, he, did he clarify who was the best? No, defensive? that's it. So he's going up against the best D tackle graded, the best uh, the best D tackle uh, in the country graded by Pro Football Focus. They have missed the highest graded D tackle. They also have Byron Murphy as a top ten graded D tackle as well. So you got the at least based on Pro Football Focus grades, the highest rated D tackle duo in the country, and you just taunted him and poked the bear for some reason. And Bo Davis, who is widely known as the best interior D-line coach in the country, who's probably one of the more fiery coaches anyway, without, right, a uh, little petty bulletin board material. Now you just gave him some great motivational speech material. Yeah, I, I don't know the motivation behind the young man taking these shots, but thank you, Jared. Thank you. Because I can tell you as a Longhorn fan who's been watching this team, they needed it. They needed a boost. They needed some juice. They needed some some bulletin board material, because I don't know if they had enough, um, like just enough angst. There's enough anger <laughs> that they had, you know, enough anger they had stored up for Iowa State. They had it stored up for Texas Tech because Texas Tech been talking trash for a while. Petty. They've been going at Texas in the offseason after the game. All right, everything runs through Lubby. So they had it for Tech already. They had it for TCU already because they had that loss last year. So that, was, that taste was already in their mouth. But they beat Iowa State last year. So they probably were kind of looking over Iowa State a little bit. Now, last time they were at Iowa State, we know they got embarrassed. But that, let's, let's, put it up. let's put this in perspective. They probably weren't number one or high on their farewell tour list. 
and now they just jump to the top of that list. Yeah, no you question. just put yourself there because you uh, there, uh, barring from one of my favorite shows growing up, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Ooh. Hey, Charles Jefferson. Jeff Spicoli just wrecked your Corvette. Remember that whole thing when they got him all fired up because they wrecked his car? Uh, got him all fired up. Uh, this guy just said, Tavondre, so you're not. This isn't the best unit we've played. Wow. Yeah, we, this isn't. Um, interesting. Uh, of all the things. Uh, and by the way, the, uh, the, Whoa. the the comment about the arrogant Oklahoma people in Texas, Oklahoma beat this team 50-20. to 20. 50 to 20. This is not an impressive team. They've got some good players, but statistically, uh, for this guy to be running his mouth about Oklahoma and they got beat by 30 points in that game. It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Let's get to the other headlines. I want to talk to Mike Craven, his thoughts on this. Has he ever heard of such wow. a thing that an Iowa State player tra- trash talking before the game with Texas? Let's get to the news. Top stories brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. My buddy Brandon Mars, our buddy Brandon Mars. College football, uh, slight change in the uh, top four of the college football playoff. I don't know if it matters much, but George is now the new number one team. After back-to-back wins over Missouri and Ole Miss, uh, the two-time defending champs have moved ahead of Ohio State, who dropped back to two. Uh, the unchanged beyond that, Michigan is still three. Florida State is four. Washington remains outside the top four at number five, even though they're undefeated. Uh, Oregon, Texas, and Alabama round out the top uh, eight. Missouri has joined the top, uh, n- top top ten at number nine, and Louisville is in at number ten. Uh, Longhorns getting set now for that final ever road contest. We just talked about it at 7 o'clock Saturday night in Ames, Iowa. Uh, got some trash talk going on there. Busy night in college basketball as well. 11th-ranked Texas women now 3-0. They uh, demolished UT Arlington 110-64. Taylor Jones, 21 points. Royal Harmon added 20 and 7 assists. Uh, Rodney Terry and his 19th-ranked Texas men are in action tonight. Those are the Rice Owls at Moody Center at 7 o'clock. Nice early-season doubleheader of college basketball on the men's side last night in Chicago. The preseason player of the year candidate Hunter Dickinson scored 27 points, grabbed 20 boards lead top ranked Kansas past 17th ranked Kentucky 89-84 in the Champions Classic early game there in Chi-Town was 9th ranked Duke past Michigan State 74-65 NBA last night Spurs got rolled at Oklahoma City 123-87 part of that in-season tournament deal thing uh, not a good night for the Mavericks either either they got drilled in New Orleans 131-110 that's just their third loss of the year and Major League Baseball award season underway Baltimore Orioles skipper Brandon Hyde the runaway winner of this year's American League Manager of the Year award Horror headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Double up discounts this month by getting 5% off any rental or purchase of steel outdoor power equipment by donating two non-perishable food items from Capital Area Food Bank. Topgun.net will shoot you straight. All right, Rod, for the Ranger fans, that uh, that Manager of the Year Award, that's a regular season award. They were voted on right at the end of the regular season. Okay. Nothing that happened in the postseason matters, so Bruce Bochy didn't win it. He should have, but... They don't vote for the postseason. Yeah. He was the postseason manager of the year, and that's yeah, all that matters. Well, that's what the World Series trophy is. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go to the Vaqueros hotline. Uh, great, great uh, conversation always. He's my co-host on the Eyes on Texas biweekly multicast that we do. New episode is out recapping the TCU game where Mike Craven was uh, live in person to see the Texas Longhorns play the TCU Horn Frogs. He is also the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Craven, how are you, bud? Doing pretty good, guys. How are you all? Good. Doing good. Uh, all right, real quick before we get to the trash talk in Iowa State and the coaching carousel, uh, what were your takeaways from uh, you know seeing Texas in person on th- on Saturday night at uh, Fort Worth, twenty nine twenty six victory? Yeah, kind of a tale of two halves for for two straight weeks. I mean, just completely dominant in the in the first half. You know, up by twenty points, uh, doing everything that they wanted to do. The defensive line is just so nasty. They were dominating uh, TCU. 
And then it looked like in the second half, you know, Texas just kind of took their foot off the gas, right? I mean, the, the defense played a little bit simpler, and I think that allowed the redshirt freshman quarterback, Josh Hoover, to have easier reads, to, to make it look a little bit more like practice. He didn't have as much pressure. And then, obviously, you know, Savion Williams started making plays. He's a really good football player. Uh, but one of the things I think we've noticed of this Texas team over the first 10 games is, is the offense kind of goes to sleep a little bit. I mean, there's there's been spots in multiple games now you know, where they've gone a quarter or a whole half, you know, really struggling. They only scored three points there um, against TCU. So we'll see what the adjustments are moving forward, but they're going to have to figure that out. As Sark said after the game, they're going to need four quarters at some point this year uh, to close this thing out and win a Big 12. Yeah, it's interesting. What are your thoughts, Mike, about the injury to Jonathan Brooks? I mean, seeing this team, that's probably been the MVP offensively for Texas. And uh, now without Jonathan Brooks going on the road to Ames, facing one of the better defenses in the Big 12, um, and you got an injured quarterback, what are your thoughts about how the offense is going to look without Jay Brooks? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I mean, I think against Iowa State, it was always going to be hard to run the football, even if, if Brooks was there. I mean, obviously him being there, you know, gives them a, a better shot at that. This this feels like one of those games where Quinn Ewers is going to have to throw the ball and, and is going to have to throw the ball a lot. And that doesn't have to always be downfield. It doesn't have to be, you know, hugely difficult throws every single time. You know, it may just be short passing game stuff to become the extension of the running play. Maybe they go jet sweeps. Maybe they get a little bit more creative with how they, they come up. Uh, with with an extension of the run game. So they're going to have to figure that stuff out and and go east-west on on Iowa State um, and get them moving uh, and then beat them over the top. Yeah, you would think. And, yeah, I mean, and as Rod has said, doing the scouting of Iowa State, they have a very good secondary. I mean, they really do. they got some good players back there. They're sound. So this will be a real challenge, and they do need somebody, whether it's C.J. Baxter, um, you know, Savion Red, obviously, um, Jaden Blue. Someone's got to step in and step up because uh, Jonathan has been so darn good, and you hate to see it. Uh, what a leader, what a player he's been for Texas this year. But someone's got to step up, and they do have to run the ball a little bit here, uh, maybe even a lot of it, to get a win at, at Ames. Hey, uh, Mike, the, the trash talk we were talking about, I'm sure you've seen it, this offensive lineman. Rod came in wow. as a former player befuddled. Like, really? Did they're, talk, they're trash talking you for the game? Like, when has this ever happened? You said to me on the multicast on Monday night that came, that came out yesterday, you don't get this Iowa State program, but here they are trash-talking Texas ahead of the final ever meeting. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand where the confidence that Iowa State comes from. I mean, I, I know they're in the Big 12 mix. I, I know everybody loves Matt Campbell and thinks he's like going to get every single head coaching job that, that comes open. But you look at that schedule, you look at who they won, I, it looks a lot like Kansas State to me, where you're like, where is, where, what's the big win? You know, like where, what is the good team that they've beaten? Um, Texas has better athletes here. I mean, but I also, I love WWE. I, I love wrestling. I like rap music. Like, I, I want more trash talk in college football. Um, so I'm, I'm fine with coming out and saying it and getting some eyeballs there. It's going to make that match up with him and Tavondre. So people are going to watch it. People are going to talk about it. Like, I think that's all good stuff there. Like, if Texas goes and wins 30 by 30 points against Iowa State, it's not because the guard was talking trash, right? And so – uh, I, I think it's fine. It'll be a talking point on social media more so than it's probably a talking point behind the scenes. And once the first drive happens, football starts and everything goes back to normal, and it's fine. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I just it's it's just a rare thing to hear tra- Iowa State players talking trash to Texas, but we'll see if there's a reason for the uh, the confidence for Iowa State. Um, let, let me ask you uh, real quick, uh, since we're talking Texas, and we're going to move on to talk about the coaching carousel in a second. Uh, what have been your thoughts about um, the late-game collapses by Texas on the defensive side? What have you seen um, that you think is going to be problematic for Texas, and do you think it's a personnel issue for Texas? Or are we talking about a coaching schematic issue for Texas? 
I guess to me it feels like when they get these big leads, they get a little bit simpler on defense, and they almost kind of go into almost a two-minute type, don't let anything behind you, don't blitz as much, don't put as much pressure, don't, don't man up the receivers as much. And that just doesn't feel to be the uh, character of this Texas defense. Like, they do their best work when they're allowed to go hunt. Like, when they're allowed to go downfield, be aggressive, play man up on the outside, like, just just be guys, right? And then in the two-minute offenses we've seen this year, they've struggled when they've been asked to be a little bit more bend but don't break. And so I think one of the adjustments for Kwiatkowski, and I think it's true on the offensive side of the ball as well, it's just stay aggressive, like live up to that motto of all gas, no breaks. Like do that for four quarters because these teams can't stay on the field with Texas. Like we've seen that when Texas is rolling, there's not teams in the Big 12 that can really stand with what Texas is doing. Kansas State couldn't, TCU couldn't. I don't think Iowa State can either. It's up to Texas to allow these teams in the game, either by letting off the gas schematically or doing some turnovers or making some special teams play. And so maybe, you know, after a couple of weeks of hearing that and seeing that on film, you know, maybe this team is, is ready to go out and get that. But I remember that Bobby Bowden quote. I don't know if you all remember Bobby Bowden talking about this, like the four-year cycle of coaching yep. where you lose big the first you know, the first season, you, you lose close to the second season, you start winning close to the third season, and then you win, you know, big the fourth season. They're in that third season. They're winning close games. So they're just still figuring out how to win, start you know, if they win on Saturday, this will be Stark's first 10-win season as a head coach. He's never played in a conference championship game. He's never won this many games. This is still new to a lot of players on the team and to the head coach. I think they're trying to figure out how to do it on the fly. The fact that they're winning these games, I do think, is a positive sign. Agreed. Uh, we talked about that Bobby Biden quote. And, and, but you do have to keep your foot on the gas, I believe, or it's going to come back to get you, and we'll talk about that. Mike Craven is a senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. He's been covering football in the state for his whole career. And so you woke up to the news of Jimbo Fisher, as we all did. You, you had to go cover that story and write, write for Dave Campbell's. Uh, but it's the first domino of many, and I know you and I have talked about it on the multicast and uh, want your thoughts for our audience. I mean, there's a lot that could change with the coaches in the state of Texas uh, as the dominoes fall. They, uh, Jimbo Fisher and A&M, likely just the first of many throughout the great state here over the next uh, you know, three, four weeks into, the, into uh, December. Yeah, it makes me tired thinking about what this next, what this next month or six weeks is, is going to be in the state. I, you know, A&M obviously was the first domino. I think four or five jobs could open in terms of firings. You know, I think UTEP, Dana Dimmel is on the hot seat. I think many people believe that when that season is over, He's gone. Uh, Rice, if they don't get to six and six, Mike Bloomgren's on his last year of his contract. They have a new athletic director, a new president. Uh, so the writing's on the wall there. Uh, and then, you know, you look at Houston. You know, Dana Holgerson's kind of been on the hot seat more or less this year. You know, they, the, the, that big loss there to Cincinnati over the weekend kind of makes that one interesting. Uh, what's going to happen at Baylor with Dave Aranda? I, I, they don't want to buy him out. They don't want to fire him. But if they go three and nine, I don't know if the fan base is going to give them a lot of choice. And so there could be four or five openings from firings. And then you start looking at guys who are going to get poached. You know, I think Jeff Trailer is probably going to have a new job next year. I, I think this is probably going to be the last year he's at UTSA. You know, Frank Harris is going to, you know, ride off into the sunset after this season. And so it behooves Trailer to try to get a new job now before. You know, he's got a coach at UTSA without his star quarterback. G.J. Uh, Kinney at Texas State is a rising star in this industry. And, you know, I know he's only been there for one year, but if you look at G.J.'s uh, resume, he's left a lot of places in a row after one year. I think six or seven spots, just one-year spots over the last six or seven years. And so, and then Rhett Lashley at SMU with a couple of SEC jobs opening up. He played quarterback at Arkansas. 
He's a high school legend out there. You know, that one's probably going to open what happens there. So it could be a, a crazy year uh, of some openings and then guys getting hired for different jobs. You know, there's usually only two or three openings a year in the state. I think there's going to be six, seven, maybe even eight. Yeah, Mike, uh, let me ask you about the Aggie job because that's the big one, right? That's kind of started up this coaching carousel. Who, who, who's your top three that you think are um, the best fits for that Aggie job or that's being considered for that Aggie job? Yeah, if it's me, I'm calling Dan Lanning and making him say no. You know, he's got SEC ties. He's been on the, the staff at Georgia. He's been on the staff at Alabama. He's winning at Oregon. He's young. He's a defensive-minded coach. I think A&M wants to get back to being the defensive-minded, blue-collar, wrecking crew-type team, especially with Texas uh, coming into the conference. They like being kind of that that anti-hero, you know, to, to kind of Texas's flashiness. So I, I think that would be a perfect fit for him, but I don't know if they can get him away from Oregon. My other two would be Mike Elko, obviously, um, because of his time there as a defensive coordinator. He could keep a lot of that roster and that staff together because of his familiarity with it. And then my other one would be Jeff Trader, like I talked about at UTSA. You know, their athletic director, Ross Bjork, on Sunday talked about wanting to find their next R.C. Slocum, a guy that could be there for a long time, that understood the culture. Well, find me a more East Texas man than Jeff Trailer, right? I mean, he won three state championships at Gilmer. He's 30-8 and eight his last three seasons at UTSA. He's 25-3 and three in conference, 24-3 and three at home in his career. Um, so all he does is win, and I know he hasn't done it at the Power 5 level, but when he was at Texas, he won Big 12 Recruiter of the Year, right? Like, the dude knows how to recruit. Kids love to play for him. He's had one of the best rosters in the G5 the last few years, and they don't get poached. You don't see a lot of those guys going elsewhere. And so I don't know if A&M will do it because I, I think they may want the bigger hire or a P5 name like an Elko or a Lanning. But I think if they hired Jeff Trailer, he'd be a problem for the SEC, and he'd be a guy that was there for a long time. I don't remember uh, R.C. Slocum. Great, uh, great, great point there. He came in after Jackie Sherrill, right? And Jackie mm-hmm. Sherrill and all the problems, and um, you know, the, you know, Jimbo Fisher, controversial, a lot of, lot of issues, not kind of a toxic environment in that locker room right now with him. And you know, Mike Elko would, would certainly soothe some of that. But you, uh, for folks who don't know, in addition to being the senior writer of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, Mike also uh, attended UTSA, so you follow that program maybe closer than most. What is it about Jeff Trailer that makes him such a good coach? I mean, in addition to everything you just said, what is it that, that makes him a fit there? And, and just what's he so good at? Yeah, I think he's really good with people. He's a relationships guy. He reminds me a lot of Mac Brown in that you meet him one time, he remembers your name, he remembers your life story. You can run into him again six months later, he'll ask you how your mom's doing and remember a little bit of Nugget that you mentioned. Like, he is just – He's just dialed in. He's tuned in. He's just a ball coach, right? Like, I think we've been around enough coaches to know some of these guys are just built to be head coaches. Some of them are built to be position coaches or coordinators. And he is a CEO. He is a runner of a program. Uh, But he's also a really good X's and O's guy. And I think he just understands what makes a football program tick. And and that's not the scheme. It's not the size of the players or the speed. It's it's the actual people and how they feel and and if they want to go to work. I think TCU really solidified this me last year it was basically the same team that had been 500 under under gary patterson sonny dyke comes in there and i don't think he did anything with the scheme he just made the vibes better he made everybody feel okay being in the locker room like they he was just a different cat than what they had been dealing with and they started having fun they started playing free they started playing with confidence and then go 12 and 0 they end up in the college football playoff i, I think a&m's in a similar situation where they have all the talent in the world like the talent's not an issue at a&m they have all the resources, they have the recruiting, they have 105,000 people at every single game, 
They just need a guy that can go in there and make everybody feel good about being an Aggie. And they just haven't had that in a while. Their next hire needs to be that dude that can kind of like be a representative of the community, of the school, of the program, free everybody up, let them go have fun, let them go play football. I think Elko, Trailer, Lanning would be, would be guys that could do that. Hey, uh, Mike, uh, real quick before we let you go, what are your thoughts about the report that Quinn Ewers says a uh, uh, high, high, high likelihood of him returning to Texas for next season? Yeah, I think that's a, a really smart, mature decision by him. I mean, I'll believe it when I see it, right? You know, like I think if he plays really good down the stretch, Texas accomplishes all their goals, maybe he gets the first-round grade and he's gone. But to me, this would be a championship of NIL, right? Like before NIL, this wouldn't even be possible. Uh, with NIL, you know, it allows somebody like Quinn Ewers to be more realistic about his body of work and go, hey, I don't have to decide between making some money or coming back to college and developing myself. I can make some money, come back to college, develop a little bit more, prove I can stay healthy, and then go be maybe the first quarterback taken in the 2025 or whatever that will be. I'm losing track of years now. 2025 NFL draft if he came back where it's not as loaded as this year. He's not going to get picked before Drake May. He's not going to get picked before Caleb Williams. At best, he's the third uh, quarterback in, in this upcoming draft. And so and I think it would be a, a, a good thing. It, it would show that NIL is working in, in a correct way, and I think it would be good for Quinn as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And you've covered Quinn since he was a recruit coming out of South Lake Carroll way back. Mike Craven, by the way, if you want to check out that uh, Eyes on Texas multicast, our edition that dropped just yesterday, uh, just find it where you find podcasts, iTunes and Spotify, also on the YouTube channel of The Horn and on the YouTube channel of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, part of that Republic of Football uh, network there on Dave Campbell's Texas Football, doing great work covering high school football, of course, with the playoffs cranking up. Now the coaching carousel, colleges all over the great state. No one does it better than them, and no one does it better than Mike. Mike, thanks so much, my friend. Appreciate you guys. Talk to you later. Thanks, Mike. Mike Craven. All right, good stuff. We'll pick that up on the other side because, I mean, if you're if Aggie fans hear the name R.C. Slocum, mm-hmm. who recruited you. Yeah, I love me some R.C. That's why I stayed in the state. They still love the guy. I love me some If Jeff Trailer's anything like that, why not? I mean, what are you doing? That's this seems BB's too, in a box guy. That's BB's in a box. It's mm-hmm. East Texas. It's, you know, I guess I remember when Mac Brown was hired, right, and it was there was the idea that it was, should have been, uh, gosh, Gary uh, Barnett at Northwestern. There were two mm-hmm. camps. And it, I was at the news conference when he was introduced, Rod. He won the news conference by such a margin. Yeah, it just blew him away. Blew him away. Yep. It was over. Yep. I tend to think Jeff Trailer would do the same thing. He would kill it. Jeff Trailer would it'd be, uh, as I said, he's the one that worries me the most. If they hire Jeff Trailer, I, I, I would start stressing out as a Longhorn fan because I think he could get it right. Well, he, could get the, uh, he could get the Aggies right. The Aggies are, if, if, the, if the Aggies ever reach their full capability, they're going to be a problem. Yeah. And, <laughs> and again, you've got to understand East Texas. You've got to understand the, the people. The, the culture, he the does. conservative culture there, all that kind he of stuff. Does. He does. He grew up in it. I yeah. mean, he thrived at Gilmer in it. I mean, uh, uh, just north of there, a little bit north, up, up towards the Panhandle. No, you're right. Or up towards the border. So, yes, I mean, uh, that, that's a name. But obviously, Mike Elko, familiar. And the word I got yesterday is that uh, you know, people are so – they were afraid. They didn't want to go to work with Jimbo Fisher there. Uh, because he was I mean, Jerry just Hamilton, toxic. Jerry Hamilton reported that he didn't even get to say bye to the team. And they didn't care. 
Like they just was like, nah, you good? He was like, I want to say bye to you. Like, nah, you're good. The text, you can text the guys if you have their number. Yeah, <laughs> we get here. Oh, he was not wow. liked yeah. around that uh, that that area. Yeah, around on that that facility. Uh, so a breath of fresh. Whoever comes in, it's going to be a breath of fresh air, and it'll probably win pretty quick. Uh, because the talent's, there. the talent's there. The talent's there. The resources are there. They're just missing a good, a positive culture and a better scheme. Because Jimbo's scheme was holding them back offensively. Oh, 100%. Defensively, they were actually fine. 100%. Offensively, they were living in stone they, ages. I think they slipped a little with Elko left and DJ Durkin, but still, defense wasn't their problem. Defense is not the problem. It's the offensive line, number one, and then the, the issues kind of, they yeah, from then on, it gets even worse. All right, we'll take your thoughts on all of that. Could be as many as seven or eight coaches in the state of Texas changing out, whether they're going up or coming or going out. Uh, one of the two. We'll talk about it. We'll come back with Rod behind the burn orange curtain talking Iowa State, the matchup. It's a uh, it's a tricky one. Long ones have to figure out a way to go up against this three-high defense. It has a very good secondary without their best running back. We're talking about it with you on Hook 'Em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook 'Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. I right, appreciate Mike Craven. A lot of. Uh, Conversation starting topics in there. Coaching carousel, Longhorns offense and defense. Keeping it all gas, no breaks for four quarters would be uh, advised. Also, uh, who should be the new coach at Texas A&M among our conversations with Mike. And how to replace Jonathan Brooks. Uh, how to replace Jonathan Brooks. Uh, with that in mind, Rob, we got off the record before the top of the hour. Also, next hour, Nick Shuley will be in the house with our set list ATX. Oh, that's right. Always good on a Wednesday. So, uh, Nick will be back at the Horn headquarters. But we'll uh, uh, get the, the best live music in Austin, Texas this coming week and weekend. Uh, but right now, let's go behind the burn orange curtain because Rod's got good stuff on Texas and Iowa State. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind all right, let's get into some of the um, Iowa State Cyclone matchups here for Texas. Let's talk about the Texas defense versus the Iowa State offense. Now, offensively, they are not that impressive as a whole. 77th best uh, scoring offense, 25.7 points per game. 94th best total offense, 347 yards per game. 98th best rushing offense, 129 rushing yards per game, and 78th uh, best passing offense. So nothing rich, but they're trending and playing better. They're actually getting better week to week uh, with their offense. I'll tell you the two things that worry me most about uh, Iowa State offensively. Uh, we'll first get into some of the personnel. Uh, the quarterback, Rocco Becht, just like the name, by the way. It's a cool football name. That's a great name. It's a great football name, isn't it? Rocco Becht. a great Becht. actor, man. Yeah, it would be. Yes, yeah, good point. You're right. It could be any. It's a good name. It's, Rocco. It's Rocco Becht. Um, but <laughs> um, he is a young quarterback. And remember, they didn't expect him to be the starter. Remember, Hunter Decker was supposed to be the starter. They have the gambling scandal. They have to dismiss several starters from the team, including the starting quarterback, who, by the way, would have been the most experienced starting quarterback in the Big 12. He's the only starting quarterback last year that started and finished every game for his team last year in Big 12 play. Um, but Rocco Beck, starting quarterback now, and, and, and he's trending the right way. And I'll, this is what I mean by trending the right way. He, he was completing only 60% of his passes in August and September. You know, so he was, you know, just, just average right there, right around average. He had nine touchdowns, five interceptions, um, and he was on 7.1 yards per attempt. But in October, 
Um, his yards per attempt increase. He went from 7.1 to 7.3, and his touchdown-interception ratio went from nine touchdowns, five interceptions, to four touchdowns and one interception. Started taking care of the football a little bit better. Now his completion percentage still stayed around 60%, but since since November started, in the two games he's played in since November started, 70, over 71% completion percentage. Wow. 8.6 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, only one interception. And they're throwing the football less. They're running a little bit more. He was uh, throwing the football, I think, 28 pass attempts on average. Uh, sorry, 30 pass attempts on average in September, 28 in October, and now he's down to 24. So they're taking a little bit more off his plate, but he's becoming a lot more efficient and effective as a passer. And they're running the football more. And they, they got a stable of running backs. They do running back by committee. They don't have a workhorse running back. Eli Sanders is kind of their main guy. He's averaging 4.86 yards per rush. But when you watch film, E, the guy that's – and it's Cartavius Norton, who is also – I mean, he's okay. He's averaging 4.06 yards per rush. But the guy that stands out when you watch film is Abu Sama. Uh, the third, by the way, Abu Sama, the freshman, third. freshman from Des Moines, Rod. Oh man, he's from got right there, local. He's got some skills, Abu. guys. Uh, first of all, he's averaging six, six and a half yards per rush, right? So he definitely got skills. But in conference play, he's averaging over eight yards per rush. Damn. In conference play, in the month of September, he was at he was at four, over four yards per rush. He was kind of figuring things out, and in the month of October. He went to eight yards per rush, and in a month of November, he's cl- he's hovering over ten yards per rush. <laughs> so he's trending toward being the guy you want to watch. Abu Sama. Not as I like saying his name a lot. Abu Sama the third. To me, this is the game. If I am Matt Campbell, I ride Abu Sama the third. Those other guys, they may be wasted carries. He ain't no, ain't no wasted rushes with this. I mean, you may waste a few with Eli Sanders and Cartavius Norton. Those guys are getting better. Cartavius Norton averaging four yards per rush. But in, in October, it was over five yards per rush. In November, he's at five yards per rush. So they're, they're, the running game is, is becoming more effective. And Eli Sanders, like I said, he's, he's, he's their main guy. But Abu Sama is a difference maker. Some guys move the chains. Some guys change the game. Abu Sama the third is one of those guys that can change the game. All right, those other guys just move the chains. Is he? Because we talked last week, keeping an eye on Amani Bailey. He was a good player, uh, yeah. man. But he hit the hole, man. That guy was good. Yeah, he's he got some of that. Uh, he, well, he's got some of that acceleration, man. Well, Next that, level. Well, look, there's yeah. a reason that they're the players confident. And I'll say this, and you know, I know Matt Campbell is kind of a polarizing person. Matt Campbell was trained to coach for the long haul, right? I mean, Matt Campbell grew up in in Maslin, Ohio, which is cradle of coaches, if there ever was, right? If you think of uh, in, in the state of Ohio, if you think of uh, Odessa Permian here in the, in the state of Texas, right, or, or yep. you know, whatever the great program is, Westlake now, that's Maslin, right? It's a steel town or it's a blue-collar town. He grew up in Maslin. And then he, he cut his teeth at a place called Mount Union where it was all about the playoff rod. Mm-hmm. He won three straight D- Division three national championships. Oh, yeah. And in that level, you, you can be bad in September. You're just trying to get better and better and better and better, and he won three three national it's like high, titles. It's like high school, like, yeah, high it's school like, trains yeah. you that way yeah. too. Like, you just, can go over for the district, non district, yeah. if you can get good in district. Yeah. So I, I still think that's one of the things I respect about Matt Campbell. That's how he coaches. And they get better. So, so they get better that's right. Week. And yeah. it's not surprising that what they. I mean, if you saw them play Iowa or somebody in September, you'd be like, yeah, they're no good. Mm-hmm. Well, especially when they were breaking in a new quarterback and replacing all the guys that got suspended for gambling. Yep. The, whatever people look at Matt Campbell, he does do more with less. Yes, he does. And his teams do get better as the year goes. That yeah, he is a totally teacher. Agree. He is a, a and, and he wants them to be peaking this time of year because that's how he cut his teeth. I mean, you you get to pit, you Mountain Union, 
that's what you want to be because you want to go in it because you have a tournament. Yep. What do you know? They have a tournament there. That's exactly right. No, <laughs> like, I, like a state, it's like high school. I totally agree with you on that about Matt Campbell, and that's why this team is, is a little dangerous. It's not a great matchup for them, but they're somewhat dangerous. Now, here are the two things that worry me the most about this matchup for Texas. Jaden Higgins and Jalen Noel, their two receivers for them are top 10 receivers in the Big 12 in terms of receiving yards per game. Uh, they're at 35 receptions, 610 yards, over 17 yards per reception, four touchdowns for Jaden Higgins. Jalen Noel, 52 receptions, 536 yards, over 10 yards per reception for him. He's at 59 receiving yards per game. So they have two competent, capable receivers, and that's, and this is why that worries me. I went back and watched the Iowa State game from last year, and I was, I was thinking to myself, man, something stood out from that game. I, was, I remember ranting about that game, so I went back and grabbed my notes, and I found out what freaked me out about that game. Matt Campbell's game plan was brilliant to expose Texas. Well, you hear me talking about targets to bunch a lot. Closely clustered groups of receivers, the first team to expose Texas, uh, lack, their inability to defend those concepts was Iowa State. In that game, results, first of all, they were 9-15, they were I believe, on third downs alone. Just keep that in mind, all right? That's third downs alone in that game last year versus Texas. But I went and looked at targets to bunch formations, closely clustered groups of receivers, trips and tight twins, stack twins, whatever. When last season, when they were targeting bunch formation last season, all right, and I went and looked at just the, the, over the third downs, I went and looked at the total number of periods. Last season, they went 80% completion percentage targeting bunch formation, all right, and on third downs, when they were targeting bunch formations on third down, they were 6 of 10. 60% completion percentage, but I'm not done. On third and longs, third and seven plus yards to gain, when they were targeting bunch formation last season, six, how about this? They had five conversions of third and long targeting bunch formations. They were actually six of nine on third and longs via the pass in that game, third and seven plus, but five of those came when they were targeting bunch formations. It's unbelievable. They're actually seven of ten on third down, third and long period in that game. It was just an abomination. So not only did they expose Texas with targeting a bunch, but they also used inside breaking routes, which is something Texas has struggled with lately, right? They've been struggling with the same issues that, that they were exposed last season against Ohio State. They've been struggling with those same issues this season. So I went and looked at this, that game and went and, re, and looked at my notes again on inside breaking routes. They allowed Hunter Deckers to complete over 90% of his passes targeting inside breaking routes. We're talking about over four, uh, you're, talking about, you're talking about big numbers. Now here's the third downs. They were three of three on third and longs when they targeted inside breaking routes. They were four or five on third downs targeting inside breaking routes, period. But on third and long, they were three of three. So that game was all about third down conversions and they were able to convert third downs at an extremely high clip, mostly targeting concepts of in-breaking routes and targeting bunch formation. Now, the reason that that is concerning is because this season, Texas has continued to struggle against teams that utilize bunch formations and teams that utilize a lot of inside-breaking routes. TCU was the latest example. This season, Texas is allowing teams to, to uh, have over 11 yards per attempt when they're targeting bunch formation in the last four games. And in the last four games, inside cuts, teams are averaging around 12 yards per attempt. But let's look at third and long. Let's look at third downs. So if you look at third downs, all right, when teams versus Texas are targeting inside breaking routes, the last four games, not third and long yet, just third downs, 58% conversion rate. On third downs, 
in the last four games targeting inside breaking routes. You look at targets to bunch formation on third down, you're talking about a 70-plus percent conversion rate. But what about third and longs? Third and longs on inside breaking routes in the last four games, 50 7% completion percentage. How about third and long versus t- targeting bunch formations? Now, this is only starting quarterbacks. I took out the backup quarterbacks. They screw up, and they just distort the sample size. You're talking about over a 40%, 44% conversion rate on third and long, third and seven plus, when you're targeting bunch formations. You will see it versus Iowa State, not only because they used it effectively last season, but because Texas has struggled with it this season. Guarantee you. Big concern, big concern. And uh, the other way, you got to figure out a way to move without Jonathan Brooks and against a good secondary with maybe a not 100% Quinn yours. That's why this game is concerning, and uh, Rod just broke it down for you. And yeah, Hunter Deckers last year had over 350 yards passing. He's uh, Hunter, uh, you know, Xavier Hutchinson, who's now plays for the Texans, had a huge game. Yeah. Uh, the kid you mentioned, uh, uh, the other receiver, he was he was big in the game last year uh, mm-hmm. here, so he's caught, caught two touchdowns, Jalen uh, Jalen Noel. Jalen Noel. He caught two touchdowns in the game last year, a lot of the inside breaking routes. So, yes, PK, uh, Terry Joseph, Blake Gideon better be, you know, scheming a game plan because it's coming. And remember, John Heacock runs the defense. Matt Campbell's in charge of the offense at Iowa State. I was going to say, he's still there. He remembers. He's like, oh, I know it works. Oh, yeah. And he (laughs) thought he had the game. That's why he was so mad at the end with the non-targeting call that was on Anthony Mm -hmm. Cook when the fumble happened. Because you're right, Xavier Hutchinson dropped a touchdown pass in that game that maybe could have won it for Iowa State. They threw a pick in the red zone, remember, by Jalen Ford. That was clutch. But they had that game. They had a great game plan. Well, you know Matt Campbell's been thinking about this game since he walked out of Austin. Whatever their record is now no this game has been circled and he feels like he can attack it's a better longer better change tendency or they better figure something out figure in that out. secondary and i agree with mike craven that just said stay aggressive don't play passive defense come after him uh get up in their face trust your pass rush to get home against a young quarterback all right we'll come back when we do uh we're gonna get some off the record including oh my gosh travis kelsey address being called karma being called karma by taylor swift Uh-oh. uh oh took him off with ian rugby D Mega Doodoo. I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get the rain man comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in the sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Several people on the text line have asked, Rod, how do we stop the bunch formations? We'll uh, get that coming up in our next hour. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's actually it's not that complicated. It's pretty simple. The, the long, they just don't execute it. That's right. why Sark is so frustrated. He even said, like, this is stuff that we, we go over and practice all the time. These are not complicated concepts. We'll, we'll run through one more time what the strategy would be to stop the bunch. Uh, but off the record, Ron, stories you may have missed but you need to hear, including you need remember, to him. Remember when uh, Deion Sanders reported that there was stuff stolen from their locker room? Remember we talked about it, and that story was so under the radar, nobody talked about it. They said it was some – why didn't they say it was well, like now the, according to the Pasadena kids? police, who investigated the theft at the Rose Bowl during the Colorado-UCLA game, uh, say the prospective recruits to UCLA's football team from a high school in Riverside County have been identified by the police as the suspects of alleged jewelry and cash from the Colorado locker room. Yeah. So recruits on campus. So so is high school kids. For a visit, yes. Uh, wow. The suspect's not named, but prospective UCLA recruits from Beaumont High School in Riverside County, California. Uh, likely wow. to be the case. I can't believe that. That's so, and it's the second time something like this happened to Dion since he's been coaching. 
right? Can he had a Jackson State? That was an issue like that as well, right? Yeah, yeah he did. Well, Where, that was a home locker room. That was like a home. Like, that was an issue where stuff was stolen from a locker. That is just so weird. That is that's and recruits just, that are there to visit with Chip Kelly and the Bruins all of a sudden rifling through locker rooms. Come that on is, now, that's very strange, man. Very strange. Um, okay, his is off the record, and this one is a real. It's a weird one. Um, shout out to my man CB sent it, and I saw it make its way around the Twitterverse. So Patrick Mahomes has confirmed that. He has worn the same pair of underwear to almost every single NFL game. Did you see this? No. At 28 years old, Patrick Holmes <laughs> says one of the secrets to his success is that he revealed he has worn the same pair of underwear to every single NFL game for his six-year career. They're, that, they're washed, of course. Washed that means for clean. more than 100 games, Mahomes has worn the same underwear. Those are going to the Hall of Fame. Those, <laughs> you're right about that. You're right. uh, Chad Henney said Mahomes is particular about many things like his notes, but when Henney said Mahomes is also particular about his underwear and always wears the same pair, uh, Adam Schefter's jaw dropped on this podcast. Uh, and he said, there's things that I've seen that nobody else has seen, Henny joked. He said, so he signs this uh, half-billion-dollar contract, and he's still wearing the same pair of underwear throughout his entire career, only on Sundays, Henny said, only on Sundays. Wow. Uh, you know, it's kind of like from uh, my, my, my favorite show, Lonesome Dove, right? Augustus McRae, don't give up on a garment just because of a little age. You know what I mean? Don't give up on a garment. Nothing wrong with that garment. Keep Man. wearing that. He said, first, my wife, Brittany, got them for me, so I'm not throwing y'all down, but I have to wear them. He said, at the same time, I threw them on that first season, and we had a good season. He said he was superstitious. Never change him. Dad's a baseball guy. He's like, all right, is it done. <laughs> never change him. And it's worked for him. Don't yeah, change it now. Yeah, right. Never blank with a winning streak. He's on a win streak. Mm-hmm. They don't win it every year, but damn near. Uh, by the way, speaking of Brittany Mahomes, did you see that she got kind of outed for 10 years ago dissing Taylor Swift on social media way back when she was, like, in college or something? No yeah. big deal. They'll make no up for that. No big deal. Oh, they're digging deal. now. Uh, but um, speaking of T-Swizzle, can I play this for you? Uh, Ty, let's go to the – do you yeah. have more? You have no, more? no, no, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. We're done. All right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I you know. Did you have a ritual like that, Rob, where you wore the same no. gloves or anything? Well, no, not really. No, I was never into that kind of stuff. All right, so yeah. we saw over the weekend down in Argentina that yeah. uh, Taylor Swift was doing a song and changed the lyrics to say that guy from the Chiefs. Can we play this tie from Twitter? This is Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey talking about it, and you'll hear Jason address his brother and uh, get the, the first info on what is it like to uh, – was it when that went down in, in Buenos Aires? How does it feel to officially be the guy on the Chiefs? <laughs> you mean karma? Yeah, no, I had no clue. Might have had a little bit of a clue. Definitely when I heard it come out of her mouth, still shocked me. I was like, oh, sh- she really just said that. All right. You were so shocked you left Scott hanging. <sighs> Scott's over here looking for a high five. Mr. Swift, I apologize, big guy. I never miss a high five, too. Big high five guy. It's the most electric thing you can do at an event. He even had your Chiefs lanyard on. Got him over here to the good side, baby. What are we doing, Scott? One by one, getting all the good ones to come on over, man. You're going to let there this you go. There's, 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 is, there's, is Scott Swift uh dad? dad? Dad. He missed a dad's high five? Well, if you see the video, like, he's no. looking up, he's looking up, and he's like this, and it, Scott Swift is like, Got his hand up. No, he's doing and, he, that. and he never acknowledged the never high five. Looked, never oh, looked. Oh, that's brutal. Never looked. Oh, uh, you got to make that up to pops. Can we you please make be it up done to pops? With this? I hate this so much. It's because it's, <laughs> it's, it's real, Ty. Hey, by the way, <sighs> it's real, Ty. If you hate it, and you know what really is going to suck? Guess who plays on Monday Night Football this weekend? Oh, Chiefs. Chiefs at Philly. 
Oh, so you know it's gonna be T Swizzle's definitely gonna be in the house. Both both Kelsey's. Oh there. yeah, that's oh you're right. Oh man, it's gonna be oh sorry Ty. And it's Monday night football. Sick to your stomach watching that one. Oh, but T Swizzle, I guess she can't be there. She's in she's on she's on tour. She's back. She's, Is she back was already? Like a one off and oh in okay, she's back already to see her boo thing. There's no way she's not gonna be at the Monday night football game with the Kelsey brothers in the booth with the Kelseys. There's yeah. no doubt. Especially if it's fake like Tyson, and she definitely got to be there. <laughs> That'll be a hell of a game. Hell oh, of a game. And it's a, a hell of a game. It's going to be a good weekend. Super Bowl football, rematch. Man. You got to because Thursday is a good game. Yeah, Ravens-Bengals. Ravens-Bengals is a good game. Yeah, Monday night football is a good game. Nice. Cowboys are playing. So we're going to book in with good games. Do we have good games on Sunday, though? Uh, yeah, we have, everything's good except for the SEC teams that are playing down, <laughs> playing that 12th game deal. Dumpster diving. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> well said. All right, Ty hates it, uh, but there you go. There's the latest. What's it like to be known as karma? That's Jeez Travis Kelsey. Sizzle. And he did miss. That, that's, that's, that's embarrassing when you get held up for a high five. Oh, it is, man. It is. That's not good. Come on, bro. Oh, no, but that's national. It went viral. Well, it's all over the world. Oh, man. All right, we're back. Hook him up with Ian Rodby.